Hello, welcome to the Hazardous Casuals podcast. I'm one of your hosts uh, and the game master, Matt. And welcome to this strange yet odd episode of our podcast where we're finishing up our prequel arc, where we're kind of doing a summary of what happened since we lost our audio from that session. And I am joined with four other fine gentlemen. And uh, we're just going to kind of go over what happened and maybe maybe goof off a little bit and uh, have fun with this. Like I said, we're, we're glad that you're joining us. We hope that our uh, podcast brightens your week. and. We're excited to actually be in to sort of our official start of our campaign. Uh, if you would like to keep it up to date with the podcast, you can check out in our show notes. You can check out our Twitter handle, our email, and also our Podbean page where we have some resources and we have some uh, more information or more lore, I guess you could say, on the world of Valerian. So with that, let's do some introductions and introduce the rest of the party. And we'll, we'll get into this uh, strange yet odd episode. Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan. I'm in hell. And I play Raytheon Mistweave. Uh, a, uh, are, you, are you in hell? Are you really in hell? I just figured it'd be fun, you know, to say that we're all in hell together. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because every time, uh, and this never makes it into an episode, but every time that we, uh, we start recording for this stuff and Matt has us count him down to start like intro things, uh, there, there are a number of theories of counting that happen. Um, and, uh, Matt's response to that typically is hell. I'm, I'm in, in hell. hell. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I'm Jordan. I play Raytheon Mistweave, uh, who is a wood elf ranger, uh, who has uh, started dipping into, uh, the more arcane arts with primal magic. Um, yeah, he doesn't do social settings. Well, he's, uh, well, he's, he's awkward but thinks of himself as being really cool. And, uh, and he's often wrong. He hates owls. He loves to punch Dance's feelings out in private when it's possible. Oh, the dreaded I've, owl. <laughs> every owl. Every owl must die. <laughs> um, <laughs> y'all are going to eventually go to this, this village that is an owl sanctuary. And I'm kidding. <laughs> murder. You're gonna murder. get so in trouble. So much in trouble. Uh, I got a cool, interesting question, Jordan. How long have you been playing tabletop games, D and D? You know, I know, oh, you know, I know you don't just play D and D, Dungeons and Dragons. So, yeah, how long have you been playing tabletop? Um. Well, so I've been playing tabletop games for the better part of the last twelve, thirteen years. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, so that started all that stuff. Actually, before that, so like closer to fifteen years, I've been playing uh, playing all this, all these tabletop type role playing games. Um, now, here's another question. All right, you, you started twelve, thirteen years ago. How many of those years were GMing or, or dungeon uh, mastering? Um, <laughs> was it was it were you the the person that was the dungeon master because nobody else wanted to be or? So, if I've been playing for fifteen years, I've been GMing for fourteen. Uh, well, 15 solidly because I still run a different D and D fifth edition campaign uh, that gets streamed on Twitch and stuff. But um, but yeah, so like I've been I've been running games at a table for 15 years, and um, this is one of the few campaigns that I've ever played in <laughs> as a player, which is really really nice. Um, there are a couple of exceptions to that. 
Um, there's a really wonderful Legend of the Five Rings campaign that I played in for two years when I was in uh, in grad school, and uh, that was that was really cool, really really fantastic game. If uh, if Sam's out there listening, uh, you done good. Um, one of my favorite, absolutely my favorite tabletop uh, experience of all of that time, pretty much where I was not running a game. But uh, but yeah, so like this is a really really awesome awesome time for me being able to just play cool awesome but yeah that's uh that's D third edition and its variants uh 3.5 uh legend of the five rings genesis system a <laughs> couple little a uh, couple little sort of niche things I actually helped design a tabletop game uh a while back wow. uh um called tactical ops it was really narrative story narrative storytelling is a cooperative thing it's a gmless system um that's cool yeah i've got the r- rules for it laying in my bedroom right now i was actually looking back at it the other day but yeah so you know some varied experience there um but yeah so right now it's fifth edition D and uh and this game which is uh genesis narrative dice system which is a ton of fun well awesome all right well cool who's next my name is Seth, and I am playing Makra, the orc monk. He's a master of the divine magical arts and punching things. Mostly he punches things, because he gets sleepy if he uses magic too much. <laughs> That's just the way it works in this system. It makes you very sleepy. It makes you very sleepy. Makes you pass out. <laughs> yeah, eventually. <laughs> So yeah, lately he's been relying a bit more on his fists, um, but he's probably the oldest person in the party, um, I think, yeah, pretty sure. Anyway, um, as, a, as a monk, he's just been kind of wandering the world, trying to find his place in things and trying to evade his dark and mysterious past. Um, so yeah, same question for you. How long have you been playing tabletop? Um, I first got the bug, if you will. I want to say it was like 2012, 2012, 2013 in grad school. Um, big part was the same Sam that Jordan mentioned. So, hey, if Sam, if you are listening, I hate you all. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that was, that was, was that, wait, was that your first game too? It was, um, it might've been my second. I don't remember exactly the order of one. Um, cause that was a Pathfinder game, and that was one of the yeah. earliest I ever got into. And around that same time, I was doing a Star Wars game. Yeah. Um, the, I, I don't know what the system was called, but it's the one before Genesis. Uh, the was, Star Wars Fantasy Flight came it out. Was the, well, that was like the, D20 Star Wars. D20 was, yeah. Saga. The Saga system. Saga. That's yeah. right. Saga edition. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was, that was in there, too. Um, around the same time as I picked up Pathfinder. Um, nope. since then I got, gotten into a little, uh, legend of the five rings. I've done, uh, some fifth edition D and D and now I'm getting into the star Wars fantasy flight edition and the Genesis narrative dice. Um, okay. mostly as a player, a little bit here and there as a GM, mostly like some one shots, um, something I, I'd like to develop more, but. Also, I'm shy, and I get I get really nervous about 
doing such things in part because I just don't have the experience. Like the more I do it, the better I think I would get more comfortable I get with it. But yeah. Also I'm playing in like three games right now and who has the time to play three games. And I got this one, I've got the star Wars one and then I got Jason, you know, the other L five R. So yeah, three games, three games. Not sure if I'd have time to add, add GMing a game into the midst of that. It can be a lot. Yeah, that's definitely. I, yeah, I did not know that that was your first game, too. Me and Seth, I think it was actually 2013. I think it was at the end of 2013. somewhere in there. And then Chris uh, at graduate school did the Star Wars campaign the next semester. Yep. I did not know that we, somewhere uh, in there. we both had our first um, session together. I, yep. I, came, I came late to, to tabletop as well. I, you know, I kind of didn't really know what it was all about until graduate school. Got around a bunch of nerds and... They were like, hey, this is really fun. You, you want to play? I was like, yeah, it sounds fun. All right, sure. Yeah. Got to use the power of our imagination. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, that, I, that's wild. That's why I did not know that was your first, uh, first foray into the, the tabletop realm. Um, yeah, that was a fun campaign. Definitely, it Sam, uh, thank you for introducing me into that and being sort of a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to GMing. Um, He's a great guy. Great, great storyteller. See, sometimes it only takes one person to make that kind of a difference in somebody's life. That's right. <laughs> and just embark them on a journey of a wonderful hobby. That's right. Man, I tell you what, though, that first session was rough for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe more so than me. died, like, right away. <laughs> I, they told me, every, all y'all told me, well, not you, but everybody else was like, it's like Skyrim. I was like, okay, I can stealth. Hmm. Don't stealth after goblins and an orc. Don't don't do it. You end up being when you're like level one. <laughs> yeah, level one. You end up being a pincushion running for your life and passing out in a, a, a swamp. <laughs> Good oh, times. It was. It was a fun session, fun campaign. Sorry, I zoned out. Are we talking about my my fraternity rush? Oh. <laughs> uh, actually, and too. Uh, all right, so Seth, what what would you say your favorite system is? To play in, or to, yeah. With oh gosh! So yeah, to play in. There's pros and cons to each. Um, the one I probably enjoyed the most would have to be Fantasy Flights, um, either either the Star Wars or the Genesis, because of the narrative dice. I love the idea that they're nuanced enough that you can succeed and have something go horribly, horribly wrong, or you can fail and something goes wonderfully well, like. <laughs> I, I yeah. love the balance that sometimes it doesn't always play out as you want. It just adds that extra dimension to the game that I really enjoy. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that, uh, Jordan. I I just thought, like I said, I thought about this question for Seth, and I thought, what is? Do you have a favorite? Is it Dungeons and Dragons? Is it is it some other system that you've played, like L five R? Well, okay, so I've got I've got my biases right because I've been playing D anD D for fifteen years. D20 systems are what, are what my brain works in. Um, I really like the Fantasy Flight systems. I, uh, I had a bunch of fun with the, uh, with the Roll and Keep system uh, for, uh, for L5R yeah. and, and all that stuff. It was super fun to do that stuff. Um, exploding dice are fun. What can you say? But, um, and, and Matt and I have had this discussion a lot, but um, I really... I really love 
D&D because it's moving toward a narrative system in its evolutions. Uh, we don't talk about fourth edition in my house. Because... <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, but it's moving toward a more narrative uh, focus as a lot of role-playing games are. And so that I'm comfortable with where it's gone. And I know so much about that system that I get that I have a lot of narrative freedom as, uh, as a GM in that system. And I get to do a lot of things with that. And it's easier to find groups of people to play with. So, um, for me anyway. And so like, I, I have a ton of fun with, with D and D. And sometimes you just need the critical failure. You need the critical success. You know, uh, even if that's not rules as written anymore, uh, it's the tradition of the thing. But yeah, so I, I really like I really like D and D. Cool, cool. All right, who's next? Well, hi, I'm Abigail, and I just wanted to reach out in case a misconnection uh... might might hear this and come to me. I just I was in Sandy Harbor taking a teleportation uh, from uh... a. No. I'm a friendly teleporter, and oh my gosh, he smiled at me when I tried to pay him. He just kissed me on the cheek and teleported me right over. Well, Mr. It was me. <laughs> my name's Cletus. <laughs> well, Mr. Well, Mr. Mm. Teleporter Man, mm. please just uh, reach out to me a moment you can. You know where I went. I'm, I'm here for you, just waiting to, to hear from you any moment I can. Thank you. <sighs> Well, as soon as I can get away from work, which is, as you know, a shit sandwich. Um, <laughs> it's always going to taste bad, but you know, the more bread you got, the better it is. Um, <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Hi, I'm Leo. I play a tradesperson. I'm a human, big strapping lad. That's what I am. Uh, so, Gavin, how how long have you uh, how long have you been doing playing tabletop? I've only been playing since the last um, we did like a little Halo uh, excursion uh, recently, and that was before this one. That's the first time I ever started playing. Really, that was your first time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I have been listening to a lot of uh, uh, D&D podcasts. They're, I just find them super entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing that for, for years now, but that's the first time I, play. I actually got to play. Wow. Okay. That's cool. That's awesome. I get to be the person that introduces now other people to this fantastic hobby. Yeah, we did a, um, a sort of one-shot. Um, I created a, I wrote out a, a setting sort of manual for uh, Halo, uh, the video game. And uh, we, we did a one-shot with Gavin and Donovan and uh, Luke, Luke McKeel, and um, one of my other friends, uh, Corey, I play Xbox with. And uh, that, was a fun, that was a fun little one-shot. We had a, we had a blast with it. Maybe, maybe we'll have to return to the, uh, the stars at some hmm. point. Uh, there's some very colorful characters <laughs> in that campaign. Oh. Um, definitely not not PC yet for some of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was awesome. there was there was a reference to that game in the show. Really? R- yeah, 
when, when the fog started rolling through uh, three Yes, years, that's right. That's right. I, I, I went to my uh, red shirt Rick character and said, oh, God, this is this is definitely the flood, guys. It's the flood. It's the flood. <laughs> um, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I do remember that now. I remember you making that reference. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, all right. Well, I, I was. I would ask you like what your favorite is. So, I, do you have a favorite? Maybe this is your only like one that you've played. I mean, you've listened um, to a lot of other podcasts, right. a lot of other systems. So, I've listened to enough systems to say like I like the um, the narrative ability of this particular system seems to be really nice. Like, uh, like you can be just the most skilled person at something, and then the dice can fail in a way that seems to give the dm or the gm a lot more to work with like we're yeah. just like oh like okay you succeed but there's a threat and then you can just like narratively do whatever you want with it even though they, they succeed i think that's pretty neat as a system it's very fun it, it, it can be it's very freeing at times it also can be a little a little intimidating at times too not you're trying to figure out what what to what to do with the results of the die but but this is something where it's built into every every role, and I kind of I like the idea of that because you can just say if you don't really have anything up your sleeve, you can just say okay, you suffer strain, you're good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's true, and, and it's fun to get creative with like how you suffer strain. Anything else? Oh, uh, like I um I do like uh, interesting enough, I do like the like the Call of Cthulhu type systems, uh, just for as, oh, as far okay. as like the actual like psychological damage scenarios. <laughs> Uh, but as far as a full system, I think, I think the system has everything you need for a full successful campaign and enough tools to make it interesting. All right. Well, um, last but not least, we got Donovan. Well, hello there. I play the uh, lovely specimen known as Cat King, and this is sadly my actual voice that I'm speaking with right now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, my name is uh, Donovan, and I play uh, Katji, um, who is a Dunair from the southwestern part of whatever weird continent we're on. Um, and uh, being from Sand People, uh, my guy is very in touch with nature and, and random stuff like that, and hates werewolves. Um, so he is basically a, I guess you'd say, a um, rogue class, if you're going to have to classify him, but I'd like to say he's just a. Uh, an uber hero um you know <laughs> a real a real hero of the people if you will um and yeah uh and he's also kind of starting to dabble a little bit more into uh figuring out what his celestial patron is so i don't know what that would be uh or, i don't know a, a rogue um i don't know medium maybe uh but yeah you know the little thing to know about Catchy though is he's he loves the ladies and they tend to love him. <laughs> nice. Uh, what about for you, man? How long have you been doing tabletop? Uh, tonight, uh, about an hour, two hours. Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> Feels like four hours. Actually. Oh my um, gosh! No, uh, I have been doing stuff around tabletop since I was a kid. I mean, people forget. That even the old school RPGs like you know Final Fantasy on Nintendo, those are outcomes of role playing. Those yeah. are you know in real way tabletop. Uh, uh, reading Dragonlance growing up and playing various RPGs got me, I think, a a bit of a taste of that. But 
actually being in the role play setting like we're in now, it's been this and the Star Wars Star Wars campaign uh, that Matt ran a while ago. Um, that's that's pretty much been it. Um, My first campaign. Yes. Oh, was I so green? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite part was accidentally breaking the system during the last session. So, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, what should have oh, been an, an epic fight was you get an extra roll and you get an extra roll to the whole party over and over. Yeah. If anyone can figure out how to break a system, it's you, Donovan. Um, <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> that's that's way more than fair. <laughs> I think that was like four years ago, maybe. Yeah, it was 2014. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was my first. And it lasted a year. Well, it lasted, it lasted a whole school year. We played from like August to May. That was a yeah. fun campaign. It really was. My favorite part is trying to come up with interesting and unique characters, I think. Um, yeah, and then arguing about them incessantly with everyone. <laughs> I would definitely say, though, out of all these different settings, I'm much more of a fantasy player um, more than anything else. I like to be knee-deep in a dungeon. I thought you were a Shadowrun guy, too. I am, but no one will ever play that with me. <laughs> well, we might have to We might do a, a one-shot or something in Shadowrun. I, yeah. I don't know a whole lot about Shadowrun. I've, I've listened to a, a podcast or two, a, you know, store, well, a story or two from a podcast or two about it, but Never gotten into this. I'm sure Don will DM for us. <laughs> I don't know if the world's ready for that, dude. If you're if you're gonna bring up the system, you're gonna run the game. That's how it works. <laughs> That's the rule. Yeah, well. That's how I got stuck as a GM for 15 years. So, <laughs> yeah. hey guys, you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? Cool. Uh, you're gonna run it, I guess. And it never stopped. <laughs> No, just one campaign after the other. So, well, I'm Matt. I've been playing, like I said, tabletop for, um, I guess, seven years now. Um, I play most of the other characters. Mainly, I play Ruby, uh, Mary Gold in our campaign. Um, I've never played a female character. I hope that I it's not off-putting to any female listeners, any lady listeners out there. Um, I wanted to try something different and something new. Um, maybe not the smartest idea, you know, going from, this is the first time I've ever DM'd or GM'd a fantasy setting. So definitely felt really green going into it. And yeah, um, we had a lot of bumps in the road to get here, but, uh, I've had a blast. Uh, I really have enjoyed it. It's been fun to, to game with you guys. Um, I feel like I've, I'm, I enjoy making characters for y'all to encounter and uh, goof off with. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, um, I've been playing, like I said, for seven years, been GMing for six, started GMing with the Star Wars D20 Saga system. Lo- I love that system. I was like, gosh, is it broken so bad in so many ways? <laughs> we had that conversation so many times. Uh, once you get to like, like, I'm throwing this boss fight at them. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, Matt, you're going to just wipe them. There's no, nope. <laughs> there's no balancing that. Yeah. It was, it's, it's a fun system. Once you get like level 10, it's pretty much everyone's a, you know, a, 
a mythical level character. They're pretty much a Jedi Welcome master. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, and Donovan's right. Like the last encounter, they went up against the Sith Lord and <clears throat> Donovan was like handing out D sixes to everybody. And I mean, he <laughs> just, he got, they, he got, they, they wiped the floor with him. It was a fun, it was a fun final session. It was probably one of the, the, the best final sessions of a campaign that I've had uh, so far. So it was, it was fantastic, but yeah, it was definitely, this system definitely could be gamed and, and min-maxed and broken. Um, it still holds a, a real special place in my heart. I, I like Pathfinder. Uh, can, I, can I make a confession? Up. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I can fix that. I played Pathfinder, which is basically like 3.5, right? Yeah, but it was like 3.75. And there's, there's a second edition of Pathfinder that just came out that looks really, really cool. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't kept up with Pathfinder since, since Star Wars. I mean, they just released it like this year or so. So, okay. Interesting. I have to look at that. Yeah, we might have to might have to do some Dungeons and Dragons at some point. Um, I'd love to play. I've had I to turn down to. a, uh, I've had to turn out quite a few opportunities to play just because um, doing a podcast is sometimes really time consuming in terms of the editing of the audio. But it's, it's been fun. The amount of time you put in. <laughs> it's it's been fun. Um, yeah, I, I made the switch to Fantasy Flight's uh, Star Wars system. Um, probably. I would say probably 2018, no, 2016. Yeah, 2016. Uh, and we've been running a campaign. I've been running a campaign with Seth for, I think, 2016. It's just four years. Have we been playing for four years? Three years? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think it might be three years. I don't know. Um, we've, we've had to take some breaks in there for a while. and Yeah. Yeah, we've had to. Life happens sometimes, and you, sometimes you have to you know, handle what, what's most important. but. Yeah, we're getting ready to start that up back up again, actually. Um, hopefully finish the campaign. So now we started this one. Yay! Hopefully we'll finish this one because we got a podcast. <laughs> It'd be kind of weird to just end it and walk away from it. <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. Uh yeah, that's kind of my my background into the tabletop and um it's a fantastic hobby, and I thoroughly enjoy playing with you guys. Y'all have been a, a blast to play with. So, All right. Well, with that out of the way, um, let's jump into this weird sort of recap summary, you know, ending of the, of the prequel arc. Um, we left off last session, pretty much the final room in this sort of dungeon-esque area, y'all. Uh, finished your trial uh, in the sort of uh, divine sanctum under Three Oaks. You spoke with Raphael, you taught, you saw Morty, um, and you kind of got your rewards from that. And um, y'all solved the hallway riddle, the hallway puzzle that uh, was pretty fun to to throw in there. Um, and I wanted to I wanted to do this because like I wanted to kind of just try my hand at running like a mini dungeon for you guys. Uh and I really enjoyed it. It was fun. So we come to this final room. Uh you guys enter this room and you immediately notice to the left and right of the entrance there are these 
very large, very pristine, uh, almost uh, look like they're, they just, they haven't been touched in uh, hundreds of years. Not dusty, not rusted, not like decrepit. They are immaculate. They're just beautiful, shining elven armor uh, bodies. Not really held by anything, just kind of magically standing there. Uh, to the side of the doors as you guys enter into in front of you, you know, there's treasure all over the there's treasure piles of gold and bags and uh, you know, all kinds of uh, treasure in the room. And in, the, in front of you towards the back of the room, there are these uh, sort of pedestals with uh, five chests uh, in the back. But in front of that, there's a pedestal with a chest on it. And there is an actual another riddle. So in in the center of the room, there's this sort of altar uh, thing. You guys actually approached it uh, and sort of read read the inscription of okay, you basically got to solve this this riddle, right? Three riddles were etched into sort of the these podiums that were had um, different symbols on them and uh, different uh, different words and. Basically, uh, the first riddle was, and I, I'm just going to reread these riddles because I've, I've, I hated that we lost this. I thought it was so fun. You guys really had a fun sort of trying to figure out the answers. And you, oh man, you got so close to messing up. Um, <laughs> I was so eager. I was so ready. I was like, yes, yes, they're going to mess up. And then you guys were able to, you guys were like, wait, 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 wait. You took a break and you figured it out. So uh, the first can, one was. Can I confess something really quickly? Yeah, go we, ahead. Go ahead. That, I I had figured out the answer in real life, but I wanted to screw it up to see what would happen. Oh, was that what it was? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we'll go with that one. <laughs> well, the first one was uh, two bodies have I, though both joined in one. The more still I stand, the quicker I run. Y'all remember what the answer to that riddle was? Oh, right. That was an hourglass. Yep. It was an hourglass. Y'all figured figured that one out pretty quick. Um, That was not the one that gave y'all a lot of trouble. Uh, The second one was, I weaken all men for hours each day. I show you strange visions while you are away. I take you by night, by day, take you back. None suffered to have me, but do from my lack. Or lack of me. Nightman. Nightman. I mean, it's sleep. (laughs) Yeah, it was sleep. It was sleep. Yeah. Y'all figured that one out pretty quick, too. Uh, The last one was an untiring servant. It is carrying loads across muddy earth. But one thing that cannot be forced is a return to the place of its birth. This is the one that you guys almost messed up. It took you a little while to, to figure it out. I've got no clue. I wasn't there. A river? Yep, it was a river. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, y'all, y'all were going to say y'all had, a, had their incorrect answer, but ended up, uh, ended up figuring it out. Now, at that point, when y'all answered all three riddles, um, basically this chest, this black um, chest that was sitting on top of the pedestal sort of opens up, basically. Um, when that happened, Ruby approached it, actually, opens it up. Raytheon approached it as well. And I think uh, Gavin and, and Donovan's characters, Leo and Kat G, were sort of, sort of 
looking around the room. Um, Raytheon had to make a discipline check. Yep. Because there was something dark and enchanted in this box, this treasure. And um, Raytheon actually failed his check and went to grab the what, – what was inside of it was a, a shard, a shard of a blade. And uh, it was kind of, from first glance, it looked a lot like this other blade that they had, this shadow blade, the shadowy dagger that, that Zeku had. Um, but this is, a, this is from a sword. It was a rather large piece of sword that had been broken uh, and put into this chest. And so Raytheon failed his discipline check, was compulsed to sort of try and grab it. Yeah. Ruby was able to keep him from doing that, but that activated um, the, I guess you could say trap or the guardians in this room. The, the armor comes to life and an encounter ensues. They fight the armor off. Uh, I think Ruby ended up figuring out the like safe word or like power down word or incantation or something. Apricot. <laughs> forgot um but yeah like all of like it was it was like engraved somewhere or something wasn't it um but uh i think so maybe in the time leading up to that raytheon uh got got pretty active uh using some magic which i think was the first time that he had done that in uh in the campaign really mm. um started spraying cones of cold yeah at the uh at at these automatons to slow them down uh, it actually kept him from getting like ragdolled across the room at one point, I think. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, yeah, you guys were able to freeze them and um, y'all started doing, y'all fought very well. It was a very fun encounter to sort of go at them. And uh, y'all ended up, you know, doing well and ended up, you know, defeating them pretty quickly. And at that point, y'all began to investigate these other chests that were in the room. And the interesting thing was each had your names written on them. And for Raytheon, his, when he opened up his, he had six arrows, a quiver of six dark forest wood, green feathered tip arrows um, that he still has. Uh, he's used a, I, he ends up using one in uh, the, the last encounter in this. That's the only one that's <laughs> the only you've ever used. Um, yeah. So basically they look very similar to some of the most, what the arrows, um, the arrows that some of the most elite warriors of his people in the dark forest would use. So these are very special arrows. Uh, and for Raytheon, he hadn't seen them in probably many years. Uh, yeah. Uh, his memory of them was that, uh, that they looked like the arrows that belonged to one of his parents, his father, his father. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was what was in his chest. Uh, Leo Thundershield had a chest, and inside his uh, was a sadly a uh, a half uh, a broken shield, a, a shield that was only half a shield. <laughs> Too much. I have heard much anguish about this shield, <laughs> about it being broken and unusable, basically. Um, but yeah, Leo, Leo Thundershield ha- found a shield with his family's crest on it, or what looks to be his family's crest. He only has half of it, but it's pretty, pretty obvious that it is a uh, family's crest. He has his family's crest, which is a, a white willow tree um, upon a, a shield, I believe. And um, 
so we don't know what uh, what the origins or why this shield is here. We haven't really uncovered that yet. Um, <clears throat> definitely is probably something that he his character is wondering about, wants to ask Morty about. Uh, I'm sorry that it was broken. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I do feel bad for you. Everyone else got like something gnarly nice and they could use immediately, and Gavin got like a a broken shield. <laughs> Gavin, if it does make you feel any better, um. A long time ago, I actually, in one of the great character sheet purges, uh, because we've had many, uh, lost the character sheet that actually had the stats of those arrows on it. <laughs> oh, so I, I know I've got five of them. <laughs> I know I've got five of them. I just don't know what they do. <laughs> I, can, I can give you that. I have that information. That's part deep. of why I'm afraid to use them. <laughs> no, man. Come on. You got to use them. <laughs> I have to give them to you for our, our, uh, our next uh, session. Please do. All right. So then, then Kat G actually opened his up. And what he found inside was a cloak um, that was very mysterious. Um, a cloak that... Now, in the session, I don't know if we talked about this, Donovan. Um, but this cloak, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you where you've seen this cloak before. Because in the session, I think we talked about it, it seemed familiar to you. You just couldn't remember where. Um, this cloak belong is doesn't belong, but it looks like the cloak that your father wore and had hanging with his war katanas and battle armor. And he took everywhere with him. Um, I think we described it as a very sort of dark, almost midnight blue, uh, sometimes almost reflected the star sort of cloak. It is basically a, a shadow cloak or a twilight cloak. Um, it's a it's the cloak of his. The, probably the most elite of his people's warriors, uh, Dunair cloak, and it actually helps with stealth checks, basically, um, for the most part. And uh, yeah, no, you keep saying cloak. I thought it was a loincloth. <laughs> well, I guess you could wear it as a loincloth, but <laughs> um, for well, I'm covering up these cheeks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. For uh, we'll, we'll go with. Um, We'll go with Ruby next because she was there, and we'll we'll come back to Makra a little bit later because there were five chests in there, um, and Makra at that time had not met up with the rest of the group, so he did not open his. They actually even um, – I don't remember if we had – I don't think we even had – yeah, we had Makra's name on it, yeah, yeah, because Makra had just joined the party, so I, I noted, noted that it had the name Makra in it. Um, Ruby actually had one, and in her uh, chest was her very own staff. It was a sort of a a, a light, not a, I wouldn't say white, but almost an off-white staff. Um, it is made from the one of the oaks there in Three Oaks, and this kind of sets Ruby's whole world upside down. Um, I don't know if we, I think we get to talk about it a little bit in the next session, but for Ruby, magic had never really manifested in her life. Her mom's this great, you know, powerful mage. Um, she doesn't know a lot about her dad. Um, her dad sort of is, has never been a part of her life, or at least like in a way that Ruby knows. And um, I know that there's there's been a lot of jokes about who's who Ruby's dad is. I, I've cut some of them out <laughs> just because I don't really think it's it's necessary for Ruby's story for her to know who her dad is. 
even though y'all just started like going after every possibility. Senku! Morty! <laughs> well, especially <laughs> since her own mom doesn't know who the dad is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, her mom, her mom knows who her father is. Uh, she just doesn't, yeah, she wouldn't, doesn't want to. He's just embarrassed about it because uh, it's me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she, for her, like this kind of, this is has always been her hope and dream. And so it really is for Ruby a dream come true. And she has this sort of knowledge by, you know, basically kind of being mentored by Morty and, and hanging around Zeku and knowing all this stuff about the lore of Valeria and magic lore and all this alchemy stuff and, and all this stuff, but never has it sort of been, she hasn't been able to, to manifest any sort of magical skill. And so this kind of like, to her is saying, trust, trust that this is who you are. And um, so she ends up, you know, and at the end of this, at the end of this uh, session, she ended up, you know, actually doing magic for the first time. Um, you guys. It's amazing. In- she kept pulling all those doves out of that hat. <laughs> um, oh, do you remember all of those scarves? I mean, I've never seen like scarves. 20 out of one sleeve. And those ping pong balls, I mean. Across the room. I, I don't think that's the same <laughs> joke I was referring to there. Uh, okay. It definitely was. <laughs> definitely was. We, we all know it was. Oh, goodness. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, <laughs> so you guys actually, when y'all finish that, finish opening up, there's actually, you turn around, you actually see uh, there's basically a portal. And you guys go through the portal and you're back in Morty's study. Uh, and you guys head out because Zeku is not there. And you actually see a, tra- a trail of blood being uh, led out of the, the academy. So y'all kind of are like, crap, at that point. Zeku's probably dead. Uh, and so let's, we'll switch back over to, uh, we'll catch up with, with Seth. Uh, at this point, Seth has been basically just finding his way through Three Oaks. From um, the tavern to the the guard post to the Laughing Dragon Inn, all around town, he's basically been going with Eliza and the captain of the guard and pretty much just dealing out uh, righteous judgment upon these skeletons as they uh, appear. And so at, at this point, so you notice that something happens. Um, somebody teleports into Three Oaks towards the Mage Academy sort of shoots, illuminates the sky. Uh, it's getting sort of late in the evening. And basically, Mocker looks at um, Eliza, Ruby's mom, and the guard, captain of the guard, and basically, they're like, go. Just go and go and see what it is. Um, they are going to take care of, of the rest of Three Oaks. And so Mocker heads off towards um, the academy after being told that probably those people at the academy need help. And so Mocker comes <clears throat> and shows up and, and basically everyone kind of meets in, in this sort of uh, weird encounter where uh, the main party is coming out of the academy and sees uh, various skeletons standing at the ready. Zeku is laying on the ground sort of in a bloody pile. Uh, and there is a crimson cloaked uh, necromancer standing there sort of laughing. And a mocker comes up behind this scene, sort of 
stealthing up to the the encounter. Uh, this individual comes up and basically gives you guys an ultimatum. Basically, he says, uh, you know, that if you guys will give him what he wants, give him what he needs, uh, if you guys will give him the blade, the shard of the blade that you guys found and have in your possessions, Ruby actually took took that weapons case with the the shard, the the sword shard that Raytheon almost took, and put it in her uh, backpack. And, um, <laughs> I don't think, I think some of y'all didn't know that she did, uh, <laughs> uh, in the next episode, I think that comes out and, but yeah, she did. And basically this, this necromancer, uh, he, like I said, he's wearing this crimson cloak. Uh, you kind of really can't discern his facial features. He has this really, uh, ornate sort of necklace around his, his, uh, neck. And he, he offers you guys this option. You can either give him the sword, uh, the blade, the shard, and he'll let the city go. He, he won't, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he won't mess with the city anymore. Um, he'll spare the town, but you have to give him the shard. And if you don't, he's going to pretty much just destroy the city. He's going to resurrect as many skeletons as he can and kill as much people as he can. And he's going to take the shard anyway. So you can either do it the easy way or the hard way, basically. And I believe Jordan said had a few choice words for him. I don't quite remember what they are. but I don't remember exactly what they were, but, um, <laughs> but it was somewhere along the lines of, uh, I will make you eat your own intestines. <laughs> like, it was in that area. Yeah, it, it was very colorful. Very, uh, uh, yeah, it was... <laughs> So um, everybody pretty much is, is jonesing for a fight. Uh, you guys pretty much say, bring it on. You start tearing through his uh, skeleton buddies. And Kachi climbs a tree to sort of try and drop down onto some skeletons. Uh, Ruby performs her first magical spell. Uh, Leo sort of charges into the fray. Raytheon's firing arrows. Uh, all of this time, uh, when this happens, when the fight starts, uh, the necromancer actually teleports away uh, from like short range to like medium range. He gets as far away as he can, but he doesn't realize he teleports like into the uh, Makra's sort of threat area. And Makra comes up behind and starts engaging him. And you guys pretty much hand his butt to him. Uh, y'all pretty much just beat the ever loving crap out of him. Y'all are getting ready to kind of in give the the final death blow or at least like incapacitating and uh he is able he actually teleports away he opens up a portal sort of a la thanos style and just steps backwards into it and vanishes and ran away like a little (laughs) bitch and we don't appreciate it oh yeah you guys are not happy about it but he did get away uh, and then at that point, you guys pretty much just uh, meet and uh, you, you, you start to heal Zeku and then you guys sort of have your first meeting with Makra. And Makra just kind of gets trusted, sort of the enemy of my enemy is my friend style. And uh, from there, Makra gets kind of drug along the, the store with the, the group. And uh, that's pretty much how we ended the the first prequel arc. Um, it was fun. It was a fun end. I, I really hate when <laughs> oh the the joys of technological failures. 
So, but that's where we are in our story. And um, that's, that's what we're sticking to it. And so the story, the journey begins and next, next episode. So, yeah. Um, do you guys have any, any questions uh, or any like thoughts or comments about the, the campaign, the story so far, or like, I got, I got a question. Yeah. Who's Ruby's father? Nobody. <laughs> oh, so it's like an Anakin Skywalker. It is a situation. secret I will take to my grave. <laughs> the necromancer. <laughs> oh, I know who it's Ruby's father is. Name. He's the necromancer. <laughs> necromancer. Yeah, it spells out root. Wait, what? I'll give you a hint. At night when she's asleep, sometimes she mutters, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, Donovan thinks it's Tom. Tom the salesman. Tom's the mer- Tom. Tom the merchant. <laughs> Tom Bombadil? Tom, Rum Tom Tomlin. <laughs> oh. I'm just saying we can't prove that it's not Raytheon. <laughs> I think we can. I think we can guess that it's not, but we can't prove it. Unless you've got a better idea, Matt. Yeah, I'm sure Ruby makes some bad decisions. Ruby's mom makes some bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> if this is too meta, uh, feel free to tell me to shut up and go home. Um, but um, have we seen the last of that necromancer? Oh, no. You guys, I, so. We're a little bit of a head in the story, but I don't. I don't think you've seen the last of that necromancer. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you'll you'll listen. You'll get to have your your chance at uh, a, a rematch. How connected is this man to the owls? I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna it's tell you. Super freaking connected. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell I, you how connected to. to I knew it. <laughs> I think and I'm gonna still. Myrtle, every owl. <laughs> I don't care if it's even like watching us, like they always are. Um, I've. <laughs> oh man, it's it's fun. It's fun for you guys to have this sort of. I think it's hilarious that y'all have this sort of distrust and hatred towards owls. Uh, it's definitely. I mean, it's come mostly up. me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't know. care one lick about these owls. It's an owl. So <laughs> what? It's an owl. You don't get it. <laughs> how many licks does it take to get to the center? That's the question. <laughs> of an owl? <laughs> no, I mean, he said he doesn't <laughs> lick about him. I mean, yeah. Man. One. Who? <laughs> three. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, the identity of the owl or the connection and the significance of the owl has not changed since uh, the owl has started appearing. I will Good. say that. I'm going to murder every owl I find. I have not changed what the owl is at all. You know, I, I am surprised that we just left Mokra's chest there. Yeah, y'all did leave it there. I, I never thought about that. Y'all could have taken it. I got something from it, though. Yeah, yeah you did. I, yeah. I, I thought you fast-actioned it. Like, okay, you go do this and that. And yeah, I think, I think in the next episode it actually comes up. I think Ruby takes him back there. I'm pretty sure. I think I'm pretty sure that comes up. And so for anybody who's listening to this, we are we have played ahead of these episodes yes. quite a, quite a ways. 
Uh, we're just releasing them sort of on a slow drip as Matt finds time to edit them. And thank you, Matt, for editing them because good God, I hate doing <laughs> I'm trying to release them once a week. I, I really want to try and start, especially now that we're in sort of like campaign proper, you know, start of the start of the campaign episode one of the the story sort of thing we've done with the prequel stuff we've gotten most of the technological bugs out of the system so yeah it it's we are a little bit of ahead but not too far i think we'll probably catch up probably maybe in the next month i would think month and a half probably maybe two months depending on how busy my life gets how hectic it gets we'll see yeah so pretty much um this is the last last prequel part, and you know, episode one is going to be like, you know, the next episode basically after this one. Um, so other other questions about the campaign. I can't remember if we have any particularly like heavy time restraints on finding Morty. If that got in, if that was in the lost audio, no, no, no time restraints. All you Just know, that it was a bearded devil that was holding him captive. Yeah, all you know is that, well, <laughs> he said that there is a there has been a bearded devil that comes and basically, like, gives him food or, like, maybe beats him, you know, punishes him if he's, you know, mouths off or something. I thought he didn't clarify whether or not it was bad or pleasurable. It's bad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. From down, there's this bearded <laughs> demon that comes here and... Just wrecks my world. No, no, not going there. No, no. He is he is not more mellow Herbert the pervert. <laughs> Don't you yunk my yum. Oh, no, there's no time restraint. Um, you guys just know that he is in a tower somewhere. And, um, you know, you, 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 this next episode, you kind of start talking about like and figuring out where he is. Um, so I'm not going to tell you where he is because that's going to come up and you're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about that, but um, you guys figure that out. You do know, you do know a little, you kind of figure out some things. Um, Kat G talks about it. He talks about it and you know, kind of figure out exactly what, what's going on with that, but no time restraint. Okay. So second question related to that. Do we, ha- are we going to have any kind of opportunity in the near future? To uh, to go explore the Dunair territory, uh because I'm really curious about what Cat <laughs> G's world is like and whether or not he's the weirdo. If, if <laughs> are true, you're going to have a lot of fun there. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I maybe maybe there might be a reason to go down south. I mean, and, even if we don't, like, if we meet other Dunair to whom we can compare Katji. <laughs> I don't think Katji is very... Um, Representative. I don't, no, I don't think he's outside the norm of his people. Would you say, would you say he is outside the norm? Like, I would say he's very outside the norm. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, they're mostly the noble warrior sort of stereotype as a people. Um, think a lot like um, 
Okay, and Game of Thrones, the people of the guy who married the Lady of Dragons. Oh, so you're talking about ah. the um uh, I knew I knew I knew the word before I needed to say every it. every nerd, every person that watched Game of Thrones like screaming at us right now. Yes, the Dothraki, the cow. Yeah, thank you. Could not remember the friggin' word. Um, but but no, I mean that's that's kind of what his people are like. And being the son of the leader of his clan, being a really good warrior, and yet still finding his way to dally with a um, werewolf female warrior, you know, like, dude's crazy. I mean, he would be cra- considered crazy by his own people just for that. But as far as his personality, being in the position he is allows him to be more laissez-faire because he's seen a lot of death and stuff okay that makes sense i mean he's probably made more concessions than he'd be comfortable with if he really thought about it but in general he's still pretty true to it and that came up recently in one of our episodes so (laughs) it hasn't been released yet all you many multitudes of fans (laughs) we see you up there in canada yeah so to answer your question jordan uh, yeah, I think we'll definitely probably run into some Dunair at some point. Maybe okay. even like some of the the tree tribe cat folk that, that Donovan's character probably has had a little bit of contact with. You might get to see like a different sort of flavor of, of cat folk. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it's all possible. To, even if we don't get to go down there in the campaign, the main campaign, I could see us doing a one shot maybe. Okay. Yeah. Returning to these characters at some point and exploring the dunes and what what that all is like. How how did Makra incorporate with us? Because there has to be a bit about that end part where we're like, uh, who the hell are you? You know? I mean <laughs> Yeah, so basically, um we kind of talk about this in the next episode a little bit. Basically, you guys Raytheon was like, who the heck are you? Kept his bow draw. Ruby kind of like was held her staff pretty held, you know, tight. You were like still sneaking around, making I, sure I this wasn't was another free, threat. I uh, was sucking, honestly. <laughs> I went up in that tree for no good reason. Right <laughs> now uh, I'm a stereotype of a joke of my own people. I think Leo said something along the lines of like, hell and well met friend uh y'all had a short conversation about like why mocker was here and what he was doing and he got told to come here basically by eliza marigold and that kind of was like everybody was like oh okay you're with eliza all right and we made him hold a silver coin right (laughs) uh i don't know if that happened i i don't know if that happened that session but I he think it, to every person that, we met. I think it comes At one up point later. I definitely held a silver coin. Yeah, I think it comes up in the next episode. <laughs> Donovan and his silver coins. Which hey. what is that all about anyway? Like Angel, I've never known. If you'd re- listen to the yeah. podcast, okay, <laughs> so early, that is early actually on, There was an encounter with a changeling that uh, that Kat G and Leo went through, and uh, the way you tell. If something is a changeling or not, is you give it a silver coin and uh, you can tell if it's a changeling. 
Yeah, they don't like silver, basically. It pretty that much... works with werewolves too. No, I think I think uh, that's something that you were trying with with werewolves, and that's where it came from. No, it was definitely chain wheelings. It was yeah, it was a chain. Okay. No, holding silver doesn't bother our werewolves. Being stabbed by silver, yes, it does hurt them, but not not holding it. I mean, they probably don't. Being, huh? I'd say technically anything being stabbed with silver probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair, it's a, you know it's a witch. They burn or drown. <laughs> oh, he died when I stabbed him with silver. <laughs> he must have been a werewolf. Oh man. Did not like that silver dagger. Man. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Donovan's character, Kachi, had been chasing a changeling. And uh, that's how Kachi and Leo actually meet. They meet when this changeling sort of infiltrates uh, Leo's caravan, kills the caravan leader, stuffs him in a wagon. And Donovan and Leo basically go on like a a, a, a short little adventure to inside the caravan to to find this changeling and, and a fight ensues. And then the kobolds attack the mm-hmm. caravan and all hell breaks loose. And we question Donovan. the changeling and then kobolds, kobolds <laughs> tragically kill the changeling. We're off defending the caravan. When in reality, Donovan killed the changeling and left him there to make it look like the got the the kobolds got him. <laughs> uh, as far as anyone's concerned, that's not the case. In terms of game knowledge, that's not the case. Yeah. There's definitely a kid in the caravan. He's probably like a little bit sad. Like, I, I saw that guy just, just cut him. <laughs> I, just, just, I thought he was a hero. I didn't know, didn't know they did that. He poked him and he stopped moving. Hey, I saved that kid's life and, and his grandmother. <laughs> and took a reward for it. <laughs> on <laughs> the spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a fun encounter. But yeah, that's why Donovan's character, Kachi, always wants to give someone silver to see if they're a changeling. That did make me a little paranoid. <laughs> Which was the whole purpose. They thought I was going to bring the changeling back or bring another changeling. I was like, nope, you killed that one. That was it. The real no more- thinking of mine by this point, since I've been forced to basically watch him, you know, watch the changeling like as he was tra- tracking him down see all the stuff he did. Uh, I, I won't know part of that, you know, especially since my guy's thing is like inclusive systems, having a betrayal of a changeling would be like the antithesis of everything. If I understand this right, Kotji is to changelings as Raytheon is to owls. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> More or changelings less. Changelings are werewolves. You've got to find your favorite enemy. Mine is Immortal Owls. <laughs> immortal Owls. Look, by rights, that thing ought to be dead. <laughs> oh. Whose rights? Owl. <laughs> um, Who? Turns out it's just Ooh. an enchanted werecat named Mal. That's right. But, um, oh, I did want to ask. Um, this is more of a request than anything, mm-hmm. I guess. But um, I would love more opportunities for Raytheon to explore that like group of shady people that he sort of uncovered in Three Oaks. All <laughs> oh, the uh, the thieves guild in Three Oaks. Yeah, except Raytheon is pretty sure that they're bigger than just Three Oaks. Um, I mean, yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, this Raytheon has. I mean, that's definitely an option you guys have at your disposal. 
Yeah. I mean, that was just, that was just a really cool thing that I, that I found. One thing that I really appreciate is that this world has depth. Yeah. I, I tried to, to add some depth to it. I've tried to add some, I've gotten some, I've started focusing a little bit more on the history of it to kind of give you guys a little bit more when y'all ask questions, like better answers as well to, to the world around you. So it's an old world. It's a, you know, it's a setting that we've kind of created together in a lot of ways. And it's been fun to do that. So yeah, most definitely. I think that's definitely in Raytheon's uh, ability to do so. Sort of okay. explore that and maybe even, maybe even I just didn't know whether to let that thread drop or not, because it's always sort of the back of my mind. No, go ahead. I mean, when y'all get another chance, of course, right now, y'all, y'all don't have a chance where you are right now in the story. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, anyway, anything else? How do we poop in this world? I hate you. With great <laughs> confidence. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Quick character question for everybody. What's one thing your character wishes they understood? In the world? Like, what's one thing, like, what's one mystery they want cleared up that's not, like, plot-related? Answer, answer that for Raytheon. Like, give me an example. Raytheon wants to, wants to figure out how people talk to people so easily. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Raytheon, the RT. I mean, he might be. We aren't sure. I'm okay uh, with it. I accept him. Well, I was, I was going to say... The one thing that Maka really is trying to figure out is Kachi. Oh, interesting. No, I'm just joking. He's um part of what Makra is trying to figure out is how to belong. Like that he he wants to he wants to belong to something and as as a wandering monk, he's been searching for something that he just can't understand or find. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I think which, it, which, which also ties into his dark and mysterious secret. It's just interesting because that's kind of, would you say that's similar to where Kaji is, Donovan? Looking for a place to belong? No, he's found it. Three Oaks. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, he's much more. He he's much much more curious about something that he knew some about, but was never was always denied him back at when he was a Dunair back in the southwest. Um, that's finding out more about celestials and I guess kind of mysticism and stuff like that. Interesting. That's that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's why he uh, was so happy to meet. You know, people along the way that have stuff to do with that. Interesting. Wow. Huh. That's so cool. Yeah. Marty kind of brings, brings, brought that. That's neat. That's a neat connection. Uh, okay. Well, cool. Uh, Gavin, what about, what about Leo? Uh, Leo wants to understand how, like, some families and just groups, like, maintain security and wealth at the same time over long periods of time like he just wants to get like that that picket fence experience <laughs> just just comfort and safety that's all he wants to figure it out interesting um man i for ruby i think right now it's it's all about morty finding morty he's been sort of her mentor 
He's been the proverbial father figure for her. Him and Zeku. She wants um, to find her dad. <laughs> except he's not her dad. <laughs> okay, mother. This. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> Alternate type of world. Seahorse culture. Got it. Yeah, I mean, but he, he is to her the closest thing that she's ever had to a father. So, yeah, I mean, in that sense, yeah. I think that that's, that's her. I, I think from the moment she found that staff and, you know, it all clicked for her, like she is going to be nothing but about finding Morty. And you better not get in her way. Even though she's she's new to magic, she's going to do everything she can to to protect those she loves. I think. All right, so you guys want to call it? I'm okay. Good. Okay. Thanks once again for tuning into our episode in this prequel wrap up. We hope that you've enjoyed it, and tune in next time to find out what our characters discover on the next episode of the Hazardous Casuals podcast. Content of this podcast remains property of the Hazardous Casual Podcast. The Genesis Troll Playing Game, Genesis Logan and Realm Terranoff, property of Venice and Fight Games. Any content used from Genesis Founder belongs to their respective owners. The hilarious setting and setting book is property of the Hazardous Casual Podcast.